Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey. Let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast where we talk about hidden history, depolitical policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the odd man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Public policy could itself become the captain of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. Welcome freaks, geeks, and oddities to another edition of the Oddcast featuring me, the Odd Man Out. As always, thank you for taking your precious time to hang out with me. And I look forward to bringing you this next show, which is a continuation on the Pilgrim Society, the CFR, other related institutions, and the War on Silver and Gold with Mr. Charles Savoy. Without any further ado, hey, Charles, how you doing? Well, as far as gracing somebody with my presence, you can get different opinions on that. When I used to work at the post office, there was this character there that I butted head with but it has with a little bit and he came over and he told me one day, he says, well, I don't feel right about you being here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But he, uh, he managed to step back and, uh, he, uh, I gave him an opportunity to arm wrestle me. I used to be hell on wheels arm wrestling. And, um, uh, the last time out, I did get beat because I hadn't trained it in 14 years. Anyway, I'm, I'm uh, way off track here. So what I want to do this time is sound a nationalization, a federal nationalization warning on the subject of precious metals, which is gold, silver, platinum, and you could throw in palladium and rhodium as well. Now, I contend, as I have been all along, that uh, since 2004, when I wrote Meet the World Money Power, I contend that there's this secret society called the Pilgrims Society. And uh, like one of the famous patriots from the revolutionary times, Samuel Johnson said, where secrecy and mystery begin, vice and roguery are close at hand. And of course, President Madison said, where an excess of power prevails, property of no sort is duly respected. Now, I, I feel the sting of that right now since I'm 
gearing up to pay an enormous property tax demand. Uh, I'm, I'm in Texas and uh, we have some property tax wars going on. And I hope that people who reside in Texas and are listening to this will vote for the, um, the Republican candidate, Don Huffines, who says he wants to really ease the property tax burden. They're trying to drive people out into the streets is what they're trying to do. Okay, now, in starting in March of 2020 and coming on to today, we've had millions of small businesses, intermediate-sized businesses, independent businesses who were crushed by this COVID fraud. Oh, we got to shut down so that we won't spread COVID. And you can get COVID at a mom-and-pop shop, but no, you can't get it at Kroger's or Target or Walgreens or Walmart. You can't get it at the big CVS chain, blah, blah, blah. So that is a con job, of course. Now, there is a malevolent, monolithic, sinister guiding force in America, which has drastically harmed the public repeatedly for generations. It has dragged us into wars, caused recessions and depressions, and bribed Congress to pass legislation enabling more concentration of wealth. It has corrupted the courts to uphold wicked legislation, like the 1986 Vaccine Act was maintained by, upheld by the Supreme Court in 2012. And I'll note that John Roberts' wife uh, is or was with one of the Wall Street Pilgrim Society law firms that reps for Big Pharma. And this sinister guiding force maintains wealth concentration by central line inheritance, marriages, trusts, offshore accounts, collectible artwork, tax dodges, and foundations <clears throat> which get away with uh, outrageously misstating the value of their assets. Uh, one of the economic historians of the 1950s, dear me, I'm trying to remember his name right now. He wrote The Rich and the Super Rich. Anyway, uh, he said that uh, phenomenally valuable assets are often listed on foundation books as being worth $1. And so they minimize their wealth as far as what the public believes that they have. This uh, guiding force controls universities, colleges, foundations, many church groups, corporations, institutions, research organizations, political parties, banks, railroads, communications, insurance giants, ocean freight, aviation, agribusiness, retail, chemical industry, mining, and the medical system. It's just about anything else you can think of. It cooperates with what it views as senior partners in London, they having become empire-building world traders and bankers at a much earlier time. I set out to expose, with tremendous documented specifics, who these worthy gentlemen are in their specific, highly concealed, by invitation only organization, and the extremely severe threat they represent towards our property rights and precious metals. They already robbed silver holders repeatedly in such atrocities as silver demonetization, the crime of 1873. You couldn't pay any debt in silver if the payment was more than $5. And people that didn't have any gold to pay with, they went bankrupt, they forfeited their assets, they were foreclosed on. Britain's attack on silver starting in 1926 that caused the Great Depression by destroying the buying power of India, China, and the entire Far East. Official, out in the open, price capping silver for decades, 
by Congress at the behest of bankers and silver users, rigging the commodity markets, creating a federal agency in 1975, the CFTC, to officially deny subversion in metals markets, and finally the creation of exchange-traded funds and later cyber currencies. Unregistered securities that they are as strategy to block funds bidding precious metals up. YouTube interview channels in gold, silver, and alt news have refused any assistance going back to January 2011 when I started this online nonprofit campaign to protect Americans' property rights with Silver Steelers' website. These worthy gentlemen I'm trying to bring to light are the same spidery personalities referred to as, quote, a powerful high force in what we call the high places, unquote, as described by music conductor Leonard Bernstein, Associated Press, November 24, 1980 release, and they are the continuation of the old money trust of Wall Street proven to exist by the 1913 Pujo Investigative Committee of Congress, and specifically they call themselves the Pilgrim's Society, which is a name suggested in 1902 by a member of the royal family. They speak in their founding objective of, quote, the seizure of the wealth necessary, unquote, which should be fairly alarming. And they are, quote, a secret society gradually absorbing the wealth of the world, unquote. Review of Reviews, May 1902, page 557, Life and Ambitions of Cecil Rhodes. This group of monopoly capitalists and very old wealth inheritors, tracing back into 1600s colonial times, land grants and robber barons of 1850 to 1900 have this secret organization sponsored by the English royal family who continue to view America as their wayward colony and their senior correspondent London branch has more genealogies tracing back to royals all over Europe, back to William the Conqueror almost a thousand years ago, Charlemagne in the 800s, Count de la Fell before that, and many other historic notables. A major goal of this virulently conspiratorial shadow network is to prevent capital formation outside of its influence circles. As a relevant example, they used the Democrat president in 1933 and 1934 to steal gold and silver from the public. We now have another Democrat president who is boundlessly obnoxious and wantonly shows his earlier pledges to the public to be profound lies. He's been in the vest pocket of the silver-using DuPont dynasty of Delaware for decades, as are all politicians from Delaware. He abandoned $90 billion in war equipment in Afghanistan with hostiles, having links to China and Russia. Leaving that military hardware was not incompetence. It was intentional to provide excuse so that the war contracting corporations of the Pilgrims Society Raytheon, General Electric, Lockheed Martin, and others excuse for more trillions in defense spending. We have had no silver in any national defense stockpile for technology purposes since 2001, a Pearl Harbor of its own type. Formed in 1970 at the close of the Treasury Silver Giveaways of Coin Melts to the Silver Users Association and set at 165.5 million ounces, it was gradually drained away over the years to assist price capping of silver. You can read about this in the Silver Raiders, one of the earlier essays in uh, at No Silver Nationalization, 
15,908 words. This is a ready excuse that we don't have any official silver stockpile for a president to start hollering. Oh, we have a national emergency and you must turn in any silver you have hoarded. And there will be a panel of psychiatrists like Dr. Anton Crickle Sturcher and Dr. Fibes Spurgertanger. They don't actually exist, but with names like that, they should who have raped female patients, calling it clinical therapy, declaring that silver whoring is not only a mental illness, but a clinical mental illness, which calls for court-ordered chainsaw to the throat, bazooka to the temple, police-enforced therapy, and seizure of the metal. Biden or other Democrat president, including uh, Republican Don Rump, if he is reelected, can also start screaming to turn your gold in is we have a monetary emergency, tremendous inflation that, that Biden and the Demon Rat Party has caused, and you can surrender your gold and silver at any post office or bank. This situation of so many investors holding gold and silver in private vaults only makes it easier for the government to show up at 4 a.m. and seize it as the logistics of vault operators has made force acquisition so much easier. Rather than raid many thousands of home and office addresses, the Steelers need only raid a relative few depository sites. United States private vaults in Los Angeles was raided by the FBI in March 2021 and $85 million of content seized. Gold, platinum, silver, coins, diamonds, jewelry, rubies, sapphires, and emeralds, cash, and see the Institute for Justice video on YouTube revealing that no individual depositor was even suspected of wrongdoing. Private vaults on the whole have made investors' assets much less secure and more so if overseas in Switzerland or Singapore or north of the border in Royalist Canada. Who ordered nationalization of metals in 1933 and 1934? Their president, who has deeply buried facts have revealed is always an honorary Pilgrim's Society member. Now, Martin Larson, in his fine expose, The Federal Reserve and Our Manipulated Dollar, 1975, pages 96 through 97, said, quote, We are living in an age in which it is impossible for anyone to reach the highest office in the United States without serving interests and powers that are inexpressibly evil. Now, let me take a break. Well, you know, it's like I've been looking here lately trying to just kind of find some of the connecting groups to the pilgrims. Because, that you know, the, of course, you, as you know more than anybody, they, they, they keep such a low profile and they're so secretive. It's, it's really tough to find out anything about them. Uh, but um, I've been looking at this World Affairs Council, especially the uh, – I think it's the Chicago Council on World Affairs. I think it used to be called the Chicago Council on Foreign Relations. And then that led me to just the, the World Affairs Council. And then I started looking and realized that, well, they got these things spread out all over different cities. And then uh, I was able to find some are called councils on foreign relations. Some are called global councils on world affairs or just world affairs councils, but they're all over the world. I, I found one in Russia. I found one in Germany. In fact, the one in Germany, the uh, I think it's just called the uh, German Council on Foreign Relations. 
The chairman is a female, and I forget her name, but uh, she is a former CNN employee <laughs> from America. So, yeah, you know, well, the the, uh, the Foreign Policy Association, which is a Pilgrim Society front, uh, they have th these um, World Affairs Councils all over the country, and the Council on Foreign Relations has the Committees on Foreign Relations, and they're really, really identical. And they have a lot of overlap in membership, and they are, as you say, in major cities, Dallas, Seattle, Albuquerque, Miami, uh, Atlanta, etc. Amazing. It's, it's uh, you know, I think it's another way for them to, especially in these cities, kind of push their globalism at a local level, don't you think? That's right. Kind of, yeah. That's right. And that is very dangerous, and I think that probably... Uh, I, I kind of like to get your your opinion, but I, I think that all connects to this whole Agenda 21 and Agenda 30, because it seems like that that whole Council on Foreign Relations bunch uh, leads right back to the UN and all their plans. Uh, that's is the UN connected to the Pilgrims? Because it seems like there's a lot of uh, members in the past that have been affiliated with the UN. Well, uh, Senator Cordell Hull, who was from Tennessee is remember is the father of the united nations and of course john d rockefeller jr donated the land for the u.n buildings and a pilgrim society member name of l revere crandall constructed the u.n buildings and they're all over the u.n association some of the ambassadors to the u.n or they're either cfr members or pilgrim members and yeah there's all kind of connections the uh, uh, the knights of malta have an observer there who's public about oh yeah he's in the knights of malta but he's in the pilgrims they don't say anything about it because the knights of malta is supposed to be a papal organization and the pilgrims is a royalist group and they've been in con the uh, vatican been in conflict for the royals since at least the year 1170 but anyway um back to the threat to the gold and silver ownership <clears throat> now there's been who knows how many videos on YouTube for years and years and years that, yeah, uh, the commodity exchange, the COMEX is going to lose the ability to, to control gold and silver prices and the CFTC, the Treasury, the Federal Reserve, et cetera. They're all going to lose the ability to control, suppress the silver price. And uh, that's very true. And uh, I've been noticing that um, the short interest in some of the major mining companies has been declining and also the de decline in uh, the COMEX sh uh, short interest for silver has recently declined by, I think, a little bit over 44 million ounces. And, um, but the thing is, when they can't suppress the price anymore, that doesn't mean that investors in these metals are automatically going to win. Okay? Now, the whole purpose of this thing is to prevent capital formation outside of their influence circles. So uh, they thrive on uh, creating emergencies. And during these emergencies, they ruin everybody outside of their influence network and they seize more wealth. So we got to head this off by um, identifying this group and dragging them out into the light. And the more we can do that, the more the word spreads about the Pilgrim Society the more we're going to be protected from this. Now, my 100% nonprofit and 100% free access site, Silver Steelers went up in January 2011. 
followed by the much larger No Silver Nationalization site with millions of words of thoroughly documented research and all free with no absurd paywall as public awareness is by far more important to me than shaking people's finances down to line my pockets so they can get an education. The objective of Silver Steelers and No Silver Nationalization is to post a chronology with documentation of members of the Pilgrims Society of London and New York having attacked silver and gold for more than a century, how they moved us and the world off sound money and have acted to steal precious metals from miners and taxpayers, and additionally to increase public awareness of their existence so as to discourage them from using another president to repeat Franklin Roosevelt's thieving actions in stealing 14,500,000 gold ounces and 113,031,000 silver ounces from the public, as reported in the Commercial and Financial Chronicle, the Bible of financial historians available at larger libraries. There is a free access 312-page doc documentary called Metals, Confiscation, Facts, and Prospects, number 96 at nosilvernationalization.org, covering the period of April 1933 inclusive through February 1937 of federal nationalization of gold and silver with intense specifics, such as when the Silver Purchase Act of 1934, June 1934 was passed by Congress, the government then held 689,977,000 silver ounces in the Treasury Department, and in the week ending November 9, 1934, 20,121 silver ounces were turned in by intimidated citizens in Denver, uh, over 1,000 such exact details. That was following Executive Order 6814, the forfeiture order on silver. Now, in nearly 11 years, Silver Steelers site and no silver nationalization site have been censured, blacklisted, blackballed, covered up, denied attention, relentlessly excluded, and kept in the dark by peddling and merchandising YouTube channels, including Silver Doctors, Dunigan Kaiser, Wall Street Silver, Wall Street for Main Street, USA Watchdog, Dave Janda, Elijah Johnson, Chris Marcus, Arcadia Economics, Robert Keats of Gold Silver Pros, Mike Maloney, who repeats myths on the Great Depression in May 28, 2020, in a 35-minute video he read, from Federal Reserve sources to his 650,000 subscribers, Silver Slayer, who in his presentation of November 21, 2021, entitled Law Passed to Steal Your Silver, claimed that you could not buy a gold ring from 1933 to 1974. Oh, really? See thousands of magazine ads for gold rings and chains during those years. People represent themselves as experts who have done only superficial research. And there is also Palisade Gold Radio, Jim Willie, Andy Sheckman, Jim Lewis, Ivan Bayuki, Silver Bullion TV, Bill Murphy and Chris Powell of Gold Antitrust Action Committee, and their simpering lapdog rubber stamp board member, Ed Steer, whose laudatory descriptions of my work I still have in my old inbox. As soon as he got in with Bill and Chris, he went silent on me and dropped me. Silver Seek, Gold Seek, the economic ninja, Daniel DiMartino Booth, who appears linked to the shady Drexel dynasty, 
Lynette Zhang, ITM Trading, promoting risky numismatics. Adrian Day, Christopher Mullen, who in June 2019 said gold could be 3750 an ounce by year-end. These peddlers make sensationalistic price forecasts, insinuating that unless you toss them money for their paid newsletter subscription, holding gold and silver will be of no value to you. Michael Oliver, Kerry Lutz, World Alternative Media, Solaria Report, Kinesis Money, Money Metals Exchange, Dave Kranzler, Bullion Star, Everything Entrepreneurship, Egon Von Grayers, and dozens more have refused to assist with this smart strategy to discourage a second federal precious metals nationalization by exposing this Pilgrim's Society group hovering unseen over the District of Columbia. Sound Money Defense League would hop onto a bottle cap and drift out to sea rather than have anything to do with strong evidence of this collusive Pilgrim's Society and its organized attack on precious metals. They refuse to look past the surface and hence have little interest in pinpointing the guilty parties. Naturally, all this subversion has happened entirely by accident and none of it was any planned attack on precious metals. And uh, none of it was planned, see? When Pilgrim Society members and their subordinates in satellite organizations like the Council on Foreign Relations attack metals, they always do it as unintentional sleepwalkers every time is what we are demanded to believe if we wish to be respectable. The more I reflect on the YouTube channel operator's denial of information to the public, information that I never make a nickel on and has cost me a lot of money to get together, the more I feel like a food poisoning victim. I gave up dozens of vacations over the years and a regular social life to produce almost boxcars full of free research. And these fanatical merchandisers have blocked their audiences from being able to know about it. The sole concern of YouTube channel operators and their peddling guests is to squeeze as much money as possible out of the listeners, whereas all I ever wanted to do was to dispense information on a free basis and thoroughly verified vital details tending to protect their ownership in precious metals, provided that these de details become widely disseminated. Now, note that by denying coverage to my free work, I haven't lost income. Note also that these had these greedy buckrakers, marketers, and shakedown artists peddling hope allowed coverage, it would not have added one nickel to my pocket. Again, the objective of this work is to discourage the predatory wealthy dynasties from using the federal government to once again steal precious metals from Americans. <clears throat> Their secret Senate in which they have representatives is called the Pilgrim's Society. These channel operators and the habitual pickpocketing peddlers they repetitively boost to filch funds from the tiny folks have denied rank and file metals investors to be aware of the highly organized and active threat posed against private property rights in gold and silver and everything else by the Pilgrim's Society, which is Wall Street's top by invitation only group of which my European associate Joel Vanderijen has remarked, quote, a truly awful amount of influence has been concentrated in this group, unquote. 
The channel operators and their huckstering guests have denied everyone the chance to have protection for their property rights by allowing a searchlight to be focused on the Pilgrim's Society, which is the Orwellian nest to end all Orwellian nests. The sole concern of channel operators and their guests is to shake as much money out of the pockets of their audience as they, as they can. And it's mostly a con since free stock info for investing is available at 321 gold. And why do you need to pay money grubbers, pay money to money grubbers to have them tell you in a high price paid newsletter subscription that you should buy hard gold and silver? You don't need them to tell you that. Just do it yourself. Never buy metal from any online dealer if you can get it locally from local dealers at competitive rates or from individuals on eBay. In buying and selling to a local dealer, you have no concern as to security and shipping and can take delivery on the spot. I asked listeners to post links to this discussion and the, the series on the Pilgrim Society in comment sections of such channels so that the rank and file can have opportunity to learn about things the channel operators are very sadistically and perversely denying them to know. This includes Reddit Wall Street Silver, who by refusing and minimizing coverage are not your friends. Remember, my efforts are all without compensation, and it bothers me that the rank and file are being denied critical information for no reason besides bloated egos and sales campaigns. And uh, now, don't ever use anyone's metal storage vault is my recommendation. As they're telling the government where to suddenly show up and seize it in a declaration of emergency, which would be overnight. Emergency declarations are when we take the most looting damage from these Pilgrim Society pirate plunder predators. There at no time has been any de facto COVID emergency but by painting it as an emergency, they were able to achieve this awful, fraudulent, bogus hoax of bankrupting millions of small businesses by branding them as non-essential and transferring probably over a trillion dollars of wealth into their clutches. Now, let me take a break. You know, I think I mentioned this on one of the other shows, but it sounds like these YouTube hosts are basically – they're mimicking the same thing that a lot of these mainstream political hosts do, and that is totally ignore these globalists. You know, they won't talk about the Council on Foreign Relations or Bilderberg or, you know, they won't talk about Trilateral Commission, and they sure as hell wouldn't talk about the Pilgrim Society. And they just um, – I think it's because – I think they know about them, you know, like the Hannity's of the world and whatnot – because they're in that world, they have to know about them, but they they don't want to ruin their chances of you know continuing to make money, and, and they know that these groups are very powerful, so they're like, well, I don't want to mess up my deal, so I'm just going to keep on saying things and just talking about surface level issues and keep people angry and and not really give them any solid information. And it sounds like that's exactly what these uh, YouTube hosts are doing. You know, they're just worrying about their own bottom line and to hell with freedom and, and everyone else. And I noticed, uh, I just looked up the uh, definition of pilgrim. And the first thing I, I, that brought up was uh, a religious devotee who journeys to a shrine or a sacred place. And I think that's kind of interesting that they called themselves the pilgrims. You know, they chose to do that. And 
also, I think it's interesting. I hear in both like the CFR books that are written by the members and the people who oppose them, they talk about their fellow travelers. That's kind of how they refer to the CFR type of guys, you know, the guys that are in the clubs. And I think that's interesting, you know, because of course a pilgrim is a traveler. And then of course a Freemason, they say, you know, are you a traveling man? I think that's one of the greetings to find out if someone's a, a Freemason. And I don't know. I just thought that was kind of an interesting. Um, Reminds me of Ricky Nelson's song. I'm a traveling man. <laughs> oh yeah. Remember yeah. that one? Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So I think that's interesting that they did that. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just disgusting. And these guys don't care. It's like, who cares what happens? You know, they're probably uh, looking at property and, you know, in some other uh, nation when everything falls apart and uh, they don't care that what's happening to our freedom. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really disgusting the way they, they act and they, they refuse to talk about anything real, basically. The most flagrant example of that is not even on YouTube and it's Alex Jones and he won't mention the Pilgrim Society at all. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's had a long time. I mean, all a lot of his devotees have seen Silver Steelers site, no silver nationalization. Uh, but he made a commitment to this theory that Bilderberg is the top group. And I'm, I'm thinking it could be ego on his part. He doesn't want to admit that there's something older than that that's more profound. And Bilderberg releases a list. This one doesn't. This one automatically has the president as an honorary member and the secretary of state as an honorary member. And, and Bilderberg doesn't, and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all these markers showing that the Pilgrim Society is a superior group. By the way, um, you'd be surprised at uh, Tucker Carlson being in the Pilgrims in 2014. Yeah, Tucker Carlson and his old man. And you can look up his daddy, who was born in 1941, in some of the Who's Who volumes. And it's, it says he's in the Pilgrims, New York City. And, you know, I struggle to find something Tucker Carlson says that I that I don't agree with. And <laughs> I'm not finding anything I don't agree with. But I want to tell you something. He will never mention this organization no matter what. Mm -hmm. And and it could be he may not be a member anymore. There are ways of losing your membership if you don't pay if you don't keep up with your dues, which are not very much really, and if you don't, um, if you get into bankruptcy proceedings, they can kick you out for that because, you know, they're wanting people that get wealthy, not people that go broke. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, if you commit a crime against another member, for instance, in uh, John Wayne's 1961 movie, The Comancheros, the bad guy says, we, a society of thieves, cannot tolerate stealing from each other, unquote. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, back to this national emergency stuff. It uh, puts I, his, oh, sorry. Uh, let me interrupt you just real quick there. While we were talking about uh, Alex Jones and Tucker Carlson, I have a friend who uh, he's kind of uh, an expertise on this group called the Council for National Policy. And I'm not sure if Tucker is a member, but I know that Alex Jones is a member. And it's a one of these, it's kind of like the Pilgrims, but a much, they're not as, as big, of course. I think they started in like 82. And uh, they don't listen. 
but they don't release their memberships either. They just kind of come about by leaks. But uh, I think it's kind of interesting that uh, they're kind of tied to uh, different kind of shady business deals and foreign policies and stuff like that on a, a smaller scale. And I, I'm pretty sure Tucker is a member as well. There's quite a few, um, and, and Tucker's much better than most of the ones that, that are in there, but on his ideas and his statements. But a lot of these guys are like, I call them fake conservatives. You know, they kind of talk the talk, but they don't really, again, say anything real. Yeah, I'll have to look that one up. I know uh, there was this other group called the Log Cabin Republicans. Ever hear that one? No, I haven't. Yes, uh, gay guys that are in the Republican Party. And it was run by a Pilgrim member. Sorry, I can't think of his name offhand. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, there's all kinds. Of, I've, I've tried to get the patriot groups in Texas that they're standing for um, good ideals to confront this thing about the overarching British influence. And uh, they don't hear about it at all. I mean, it's like, mm -hmm. no, this... This thing doesn't exist, and it's not something to talk about, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, <clears throat> back to this uh, central idea of using a national emergency to make other people go broke while they're getting wealthy on national emergencies. They need only have Biden or Harris, and by the way, Harris's daddy had uh, quite a few British Empire connections. They need only have him declare a national emergency and tell the public, we must have your gold for the monetary system, and we must have your silver for defense industries, technological applications, and we will pay you a non-inflationary price for it, since it would be wrong for you to benefit from the nation's misfortune. Of course, it's okay for Tiffany and company jewelers to get 40 times markup over cost for fabricated silver jewelry items, while miners' profits get pounded by naked shorting. Many will be hollering about precedent, precedent, precedent due to Franklin Roosevelt's executive orders 6102, seizing gold, and 6814, seizing silver. They'll scream, you got to be patriotic and turn it in at the nearest bank or post office, who will then ship it to the Treasury. They'll holler to post armed goons from Homeland Security in all offices where gold and silver are bought and sold so that when metal comes in, it can't be resold to the public but go directly to the treasury so it can be deployed for more price suppression. I am trying to head this catastrophe off, and I believe it can be headed off if enough people are aware of the record of metal thefts by the Pilgrims Society. It's all chronicled at silverstealers.net, and it's a criminal disgrace that dozens of channels and guests only care about their merchandising activities and have no demonstration of concern for adding a bulwark of exposure against nefarious Wall Streeters in pinstripe suits attending Trinity Wall Street Church and the Episcopal Cathedral of St. John the Divine for the aim of defending our property rights against these operators. The Pilgrims Society has repeatedly used government officials as cat's paws to loot Americans of wealth from Franklin Roosevelt's savage rent controls to more recently Crapola from the Centers for Disease Control bankrupting so many small and medium-sized realty operators. As a line from the 1964 movie, A Fistful of Dollars said, quote, they've enlisted all the scum that hangs out on both sides of the frontier, unquote. 
And as Emmanuel Josephson wrote on page 182 of Rockefeller Internationalist, the man who misrules the world, 1952, quote, our government presents the spectacle of rule by criminal overlords who have free entry into the White House and associate intimately with members of the president's family, unquote. In Pilgrim Partners, 40 Years of British American Fellowship by Sir Harry Bretain, 1942, page 142, we read, quote, we made our way to the White House where we were joined by Sir Esme Howard, the British ambassador, and taken at once into the president's sanctum, unquote. One of these four conspirators was Frank Kellogg, who as U.S. Secretary of State in 1925 to 1929, ignored calls for an international conference on the problem of the British trashing silver as world money. Sir Esme Howard's younger brother was complicit in 1886 in using India for growing opium and selling it in China to addicts for payment demanded in silver. This was after two opium wars that led to the Boxer Rebellion of 1900, smeared in 55 Days at Peking movie with Charlton Heston in 1963. Now, a criminal gang of monetary racketeers has been attacking silver and gold for more than a century. It calls itself the Pilgrim's Society. Documentation is more than ample, far too coincidental that so many members of this group have launched broadsides against gold and silver prices and against their use of money, yet the YouTube interview channels and gold, silver, and alt news have no interest whatever in assisting in bringing this ongoing organized crime to light. It is not the bullion banks suppressing metals, it is the Pilgrim's Society suppressing metals using their bullion banks as instrumentalities like Theodore Roosevelt IV in Barclays Bank right now, William J. Mills in Citigroup right now, and Lawrence Rimmel in J.P. Morgan Chase. Note to Ted Butler, Ted, please. It's also Chase, not J.P. Morgan only, manipulating metals. Now, Alan Spruill, Pilgrim Society member, who was president of the New York Federal Reserve Bank 1941-1956, was quoted in Vital Speeches of the Day on December 1, 1949. Page 109 said, quote, as central bankers charged with responsibility for our monetary and credit policies, we have the question of gold under constant surveillance. We have been under attack because of our attitude toward gold. A free gold market is heresy. There is no sense in a make-believe free gold market. Gold has no useful purpose to serve in the pockets of the people. He'd probably say the same about bullets. There is no hidden purpose. Almost anything will serve as money. And uh, July 1964, Banking Magazine of the American Bankers Association, page 134 said, rising industrial demand for silver is making it too precious to use as circulating money. And this was the same source that suggested plastic coins. National Review, March 23, 1965. This was at the, the peak of the Silver Wars when they were trying to get rid of silver coinage. Uh, page 237 commented, if it is not made illegal to do so, American citizens will buy silver as a hedge against further deterioration of the dollar. Back to banking. 
April 1965 issue, page 117. Quote, silver hoarding would have to be outlawed. Now, on February 23, 1968, page 13, the Wall Street Journal had this to say, quote, Internal Revenue Service officials have expressed that the Treasury could put, could put special taxes on silver investments, unquote. The Treasury Secretary is always at least a CFR member, which has the same effect as Pilgrim's membership, stealing from the public. On December 28, 1977, President Jimmy Carter signed the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, by which we could be looted of precious metal, presumably via a hidden signal from the Pilgrim Society Executive Committee, like John R. Drexel IV, direct to the White House. Now, um, let's go back in time a little bit. Banker and financier Morris K. Jessup on the Pilgrim's Executive Committee 1907, who was also a founder of it in 1903, sponsored Arctic expeditions for exploration, probably for mineral resources. He headed the New York Chamber of Commerce at that time. The Chamber opposed silver money. As one example, see Commercial and Financial Chronicle, November 19, 1942, page 1807 in the article. New York Chamber of Commerce urges passage of silver for war use. Quote, the silver block, that is the Western silver producing states, is opposed to any legislation which might lessen the monetary sacredness of silver. There was no sound economic reason why an ounce of silver should be held as monetary backing. That's just them talking. The New York Times, December 23, 1908, reported Jacob H. Schiff, Alonzo Barton Hepburn, and others say the silver agitation cannot be revived. Hepburn, Pilgrim's Society member, Who's Who in America, 1914, page 1092, and the leak lists, held regulatory positions in banking for New York State beginning in 1880 and in 1892-93, to 93, was comptroller of the currency in the Harrison and Cleveland administrations, after which he campaigned against silver in the National Sound Money League. Hepburn became president of the Rockefeller Astor Chase National Bank in 1899 and chairman in 1811. I'm going to take a break here in a moment. President Hoover, due to British opposition, has refused to take any steps toward calling a silver conference. Hoover was in the Pilgrim's London as of 1924, by the way. And that was quoted in China Weekly Review, June 20, 1931, page 85. Hoover held gold mining claims in Western Australia. I believe it was the, the Sons of Gwalia Mining. Uh, oh, it was listed in the Pilgrim's London as early as 1914. I have a note here. So, um, Newsweek, August 18, 1934, page 29, commented, Using the right of eminent domain in confiscating silver, Treasury officials could legally set any price they desired. The Commercial and Financial Chronicle, December 21, 1935, page 3945, quoted Treasury Secretary Morgenthau, his daddy was in the Pilgrims, by the way, stating that the silver nationalization was, quote, in the interest of the public. Yeah, yeah, sure. He apparently was not like his daddy, and it could be to a failure to convert to Episcopal Church. Regardless, he was their cat's paw. The New York Times, August 10, 1934, front page said, 
Roosevelt nationalizes all silver at a price of 50.01 cents an ounce. Promises nation broader New Deal. Business Week, February 27, 1937, page 35 stated, all the silver commandeered at the time silver was nationalized was at 50 cents an ounce. The world price then soared to the 70s. So some commentators are saying silver was never taken by the government. Well, they're either lying about it or they're just ignorant. And then others are saying, well, it wasn't a confiscation. It was a nationalization. Uh, pardon me. Uh, it was both a nationalization and a confiscation because as soon as the price increased past the price at which it was nationalized from that point on, it was a confiscation. They were done out of the gains that they would have realized. The goal was nationalized at $20.67 an ounce and then revalued to $35. Silver holders were likewise frozen out of future gains. It was not the federal government taking precious metal from the citizenry. It was the Pilgrim Society, the Crown's concealed network of financiers doing the stealing, using the president and treasury secretary to do it, hiding behind appeals to national necessity. Sir Austin Chamberlain, Pilgrim Society of Great Britain, was foreign secretary in 1924 to 29 and backed the Royal Commission's recommendation, the Royal Commission on Indian Currency and Finance. This was the same Austin Chamberlain who as Chancellor of the Exchequer in 1920 shoveled 70 million ounces of silver onto world markets for price suppression purposes. The Times, London, January 15, 1931, page 18. The silver came from Britain's coinage debasement from 0.925 to 0.500 silver content as of 1920. Austin Chamberlain admitted, and this is quoted in the New York Times, April 23, 1933, section two, page seven, quote, we have followed a policy that had for its purpose the destruction of silver values. Now, let me take a break. Well, that's it right there. I mean, he, he said it all. Um, you know, they want to control everything, of course. And if they can uh, nationalize whatever, well, you know, when they say nationalize, we know who's really in charge of the government and it's them. So it's not really, when people say nationalization, it's not exactly what the public actually thinks. Because, you know, it's, it's sad to say it, but I think that um, our representatives have been puppets of of theirs for a very, very, very long time. And uh, they control everything. It's all about control, what's good for them. And they control the media. You know, I remember reading, um, I don't remember the names offhand, but I remember reading in that, uh, I think it was the... Uh, wasn't the book about the pilgrims of New England. It was a book I have here on the shelf. Uh, let me look around here. I'm forgetting the name of it. It's called Killing the Planet. And so in that first chapter, they had a little bit about the pilgrims in there. Not much, really? but just a little bit. It's a, it's, a, it's a new book. just came out in the last couple of years. And they just mentioned the most popular names, except for, uh, I remember they, they mentioned a couple of newspaper men from England who were like the two of the first men to join up. And, uh, you know, of course, Cecil Rhodes said in his wills that uh, if they could control the media, or the press, I forget exactly how he worded it, they could control the minds of the people. And uh, you see, of course, with the CFR, tons of top 
people from the media, you know, including George Stephanopoulos and Aaron Burnett. And I think Stephanopoulos is a Rhodes Scholar, too. Yep, that's right. And I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Rachel Maddow is also a Rhodes Scholar. I, I think I so, yeah. I think I saw that. And, he, you know, I was reading the other day on the – I just ran across some PDF. It was an official PDF from uh, uh, the CFR, and it was – I think it was like a statement on their uh, – you know, they do the yearly statements with some – kind of a surface level information but uh maria bartiroma from fox business is a, is a member so it's not just on the left unfortunately but um you know it's uh they've always had their accomplices in media because that goes such a long way i mean you have to control what people think and you have to have that ability to kind of mold their minds and they definitely figured out how to do that a long time ago and and speaking on that really quickly i before I forget, because I know I will forget, I'm reading this book about um, uh, William F. Buckley Jr. and um, Skull and Bones member. Yes, and it's uh, from uh, George McManus. I think no, John McManus. Uh, he's a John Bircher guy, but um, it's an interesting book because you know he really goes over all these connections that uh, that. Uh, he had Buckley had, and you know, I remember Rush Limbaugh talking about Buckley quite a bit, and I was a pretty big Rush Limbaugh fan back in the day, and uh, you know, that was his idol. And then you look at Buckley and take a like a strong look at him in his memoirs, according to that book, he he bragged that he was so high up in the CFR that uh, he was actually on some kind of council that got to choose if new members were approved or not. And uh, I was just wondering if he was affiliated with the Pilgrims, because he certainly Buckley? seems like the type. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen his name. Now, there may have been other other people named Buckley. Uh, sounds familiar, but not him specifically. Gotcha. Well, he was definitely in their uh, lower circles anyway. Probably, you know, uh, because he had National Review, he was able to control the thinking of a lot of people. So that was a pretty powerful, I guess, uh emissary for the pilgrims to have and the cfr to have yeah and uh on the subject of this uh, <clears throat> deprivation of private property rights under color of national emergency i mean we, we can look at what happened in the great depression uh <clears throat> did affect pretty much the whole world uh and uh, unfortunately there's this character on youtube with over 650,000 subscribers mike maloney and he has a a video saying that the Federal Reserve caused a depression. And he admits in this video that he got his education about the depression from three people. And all these three people were uh, Federal Reserve sources. And you can't go to the devil for truth. Um, and so they don't say anything about England's attack against monetary silver causing the depression. Now, now the crash depleted the savings of a lot of people who were saving money in stocks because they were set up to, to be sheared, but they still had jobs after the crash and uh, the crash wasn't caused, what caused the mass unemployment. Now, the publisher of the Vancouver, Canada Sun newspaper, R.J. Cromie, C-R-O-M-I-E, was quoted in China Weekly Review, October 18, 1930, page 236, quote, the silver countries, or three-fourths 
of the two billion of the people that live on Earth have been deprived of their purchasing power. Um, up to 640 million ounces of silver was dumped by the British out of British India onto world markets. It was an attack on the purchasing power of silver. Uh, the New York Times had a quote, May 11, 1931, page two. Uh, sorry, I should be able to tell you who said this, but uh, it says um, the purchasing power of over 800 million people was suddenly and drastically lowered by governmental action in regard to silver, the action of the British government. Now, the Pilgrim Society of Great Britain dragged silver down and then they ping-ponged control of silver over to the USA Pilgrims with the uh, Silver Purchase Act of 1934 and sucking hundreds of millions of ounces out of China, forcing China off of their silver standard. And and, and like I say, they, they, they created the world's largest stockpile of silver in the U.S. Treasury Department, which would serve as a basis for controlling and capping the price for generations to come. Now, here's one that I do know who said, Nevada, Nevada Senator Key Pittman, that was his first name, Key, K-E-Y. New York Times, May 18, 1931, page 12 said, the fact is that a foolish dumping policy in India is disrupting the monetary system of half the people of the world and adding to the stagnation of trade everywhere. That is the direct cause of the world depression. This dumping and threat of unlimited dumping does not only cut into the buying power of half the people of the world, but it has destroyed the credit of every silver using people, unquote. Now, Lord James Stanhope, the 13th Earl of Chesterfield, son-in-law of the 6th Marquess of Sligo, who became leader of the House of Lords, was another Pilgrim Society member atop the British establishment who had icy feelings against monetary silver. This one uh, was almost a poor boy and his estate was only a 145 room mansion. The Times, London, December 8, 1932, page seven had this to say, quote, Lord Stanhope said, the government did not think bimetallism was of sufficient importance to be placed in the forefront of matters to be considered at the World Economic Conference. Now, it was Britain's attack on silver money that caused the Great Depression, but we still see alleged experts in precious metals commentary carelessly stating that the stock market crash of October 1929 was the cause, when in fact, it was only a secondary causative agent. Please do your historical homework before parroting statements propagated by fiat currency activists. If Stock price downturns cause depressions. Why worry about the absence of gold and silver from the monetary structure? Now, <clears throat> the buying power of silver countries lies dormant, and as a result, world business is paralyzed. That's from the same previous quotation source. Uh, the world money system, which had been functioning from time immemorial, on the two cylinders of gold and silver is now being asked to function on one cylinder only. New York Congressman Andrew Somers, New York Times front page, May 15, 1932. 
Now, the Congressional House Subcommittee on Coinage, quoted in the New York Times, May 15, 1932, page 26, said, quote, the results of the situation brought about by the destruction of silver are very acute and are rapidly growing worse. It destroyed world trade. It put people out of work in our export industries to the Far East, which we did have at that time. China Weekly Review, Shanghai, June 11, 1932, page 49, had a statement by Yu Kui Zun, director of the Tung Yi Bank of Shanghai, said, quote, the evil influence of silver depreciation has been felt by all the countries of the world, unquote. The New York Times, June 27, 1932, page 25, story, quote, cheap silver as to depression, said, quote, Colonel Hardin and Mr. Thomas agreed that the effects on American growers were tragic. In one day recently, said Mr. Thomas, 30,000 cotton farms in Mississippi were sold under the hammer, unquote. Now, there's a, a character that can be found in later volumes of uh, Who's Who in America is named Thomas Gassner Chamberlain. He was born in 1902. I'm remembering this without looking it up, okay? He eventually began to represent uh, sun-made growers, Raisin Cooperative in California, Sunland Egg Cooperative in California, blah, blah, blah. Well, now the rest of this is that he toured the South at the time when cotton farms were being foreclosed as the cat's paw for these people. And eventually they let him into membership for acquiring all this real estate and consolidating it under the aegis of companies like Deering Milliken, which is a huge uh, textile interest. Now, in America's 60 Families, 1937, page 33, we see that Thomas Lamont, then chief of J.P. Morgan and Company, was routinely consulted by presidents, prime ministers, and governors of central banks. Lamont was a Pilgrims member, and as of the 1940 roster, he was chairman of the Pilgrims Executive Committee. So all these monetary Whiplashes were under control of Pilgrim's Society members. The Earl of Halifax, who was president of the Pilgrims of Great Britain, 1952 to 1958. Well, what did he do as Viceroy of India in the 1920s? He dumped up to 640 million silver ounces in melted rupee coins onto the world market, destroying silver's value and causing the Great Depression. Now, I don't have the reference for that right here in front of me, but I'm going to get it for you during this series. And it came from a former U.S. ambassador to Germany, and it was posted in the New York Times. And when I, when I locate it, I'm going to pinpoint the day, the month, and the page number where that 640 million reference is at. That was at a time when world production was only about 225 million ounces a year, by the way. Um, Lord Astor of Hever Castle on the Pilgrims Executive Committee, 1957, and as of 1963, he became chairman of the Executive Committee of the London branch, was descended from John J. Astor, who died in 1848 and was known as Landlord of New York. 
and was the top domestic power in the second United States Bank, 1816 to 1836, which did steal gold and silver from the public by the following means. It had 23 USA branches in various cities and banknote conversion of the notes that it issues into hard specie metal could only be had at the branch most distant from the issuing branch. A note issued in New York had to be taken to New Orleans for conversion into precious metal. What a con job. Later, the Astors became secondary powers right after the Rockefellers in Chase National Bank. Now, that'd be like uh, your, I don't know, do you have Piggly Wiggly up there in Tennessee still? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that'd be like a, a Piggly Wiggly having uh, a branch in uh, Memphis or Nashville, Chattanooga or wherever. And so, well, here's a coupon, but it's only good up in Vermont in our store there. Uh, except this was even more outrageous. Mm -hmm. Now, Douglas Dillon was on the Pilgrim's Executive Committee from 1971 into the year of his death, 2003. He was a second-generation member. He was Treasury Secretary 1961 to 65 and led the war against silver coinage. He became a director of Chase Manhattan Bank, AT&T, and a Rockefeller Foundation trustee. While Treasury Secretary Dillon boasted, quote, silver bullion would be released on demand to prevent silver rising, unquote, quoted on page 166 of The Economist magazine, London, July 13, 1963. Robert Vincent Russa, who was a long-term director of the CFR and a Rhodes Scholar, was Undersecretary of the Treasury in the Dillon years, Pilgrim Society member also, Rusa battled against silver and gold prices and the use of silver as money. Uh, Rusa was a trustee of the Rockefeller Foundation. This shows the, the connection of the Rockefellers to the, the British Empire. They even had Dean Rusk, a Rhodes Scholar, as president of the Rockefeller Foundation. Now back to Rusa, he was a director of Prudential Insurance Company Texaco, Owens Corning, Fiberglass, American Express, etc. Russo wrote in Monetary Reform for the World Economy, 1965, quote, any attempt to write up the price of gold would assuredly be matched within hours by comparable and offsetting action, unquote. For more details along this line, see silverstealers.net along the top of the page and click on the icon, who controls the gold-stealing New York Fed Bank. Um, and it's talking about members of the Pilgrim Society being chairman and president and directors of the New York Fed Bank across the years. Oh, there was one in there that I actually missed. And it's one of the, one of the um, ambassadors to Great Britain, Walter Sherman Gifford, was also uh, chairman of the NIFED for a while. Now, here's a, a member from uh, the Pilgrim's Executive Committee, 1960. Junius Spencer Morgan, grandson of J.P. Morgan Sr., and an official in J.P. Morgan and Company. The Morgan dynasty and the dynasties that they represent have been waging war on purses against silver's money for a long time. And then finally, when the 1930s came around, they were waging war on gold also. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. The uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, as Ted Butler alleges, has almost certainly accumulated at least 50 million ounces of hard gold and over 900 million ounces of hard silver because they know the tide is going to have to turn from repression to uh, acceleration eventually. Now here's a member from the 1970 Executive Committee, Henry Sturgis Morgan. Sturgis, another New England dynasty in the group, grandson of J.P. Morgan Sr., brother of Junius Spencer Morgan. Uh, Henry Morgan founded the silver-suppressing Morgan Stanley and Company with Harold Stanley. Guess what? Another member. Henry was a longtime major uh, board member of silver user General Electric. John R. Drexel III on the 1970 Pilgrims Executive Committee, descended from the mentor of the original J.P. Morgan Sr. back in the 1800s. The Drexels are well known as silver antagonistic since the 1850s. Now, they, they are originally a dynasty from Austria, originally were Roman Catholic, but it was in the 1850s that, guess what, they converted to the uh, Church of England, apparently perceiving the royal family as more powerful on the world stage than the papacy. John R. Drexel IV, son of Drexel III and married into the Astor family, uh, as of 2014 info, on the executive committee. And uh, his wife, Jacqueline Astor, also one of the relative few female members uh, and the New York Social Diary a couple of years ago alleged that the Astor real estate holdings in Manhattan are worth in the hundreds of billions of dollars. John Mortimer Schiff, 1971 Pilgrim's Executive Committee, grandson of Jacob Schiff, major silver suppressor. John Schiff's David is on the Pilgrim's Executive Committee as of 2014, and the Schiffs finally converted to the Episcopal Church. It's in Who's Who in America that he says so. Andrew Mellon, as Treasury Secretary in the 1920s, Mellon cheated USA silver miners out of $14 million, which was much bigger sum then than now, by violating the terms of the Pittman Silver Purchase Act of 1918 having to do with issuance of the 1921 Morgan Silver Dollars. Paul Volcker, central banker who wrested 60 million ounces of silver from the Hunts by 1986 based on terms of a so-called bailout loan created in the aftermath of the spring 1980 silver crash Volker served as a vice president of the Pilgrims. Toby, T-O-B-I-E. Toby Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt's daughter-in-law, on the Pilgrims Executive Committee as of 2014. John Aspinwall Roosevelt, senior vice president in Bachin Company on Wall Street, which was part of the tangle web which tripped up the hunts in silver. Now, the Bache, B-A-C-H-E name, traces to Jules Simon Bache, an earlier member of the Pilgrim Society. And we're going to do his profile in the 1980 roster when we get to it. Our John A. Roosevelt was one of Franklin Roosevelt's sons. 
Franklin D. Roosevelt Jr., Pilgrim Society member, originally married to Ethel DuPont of the warmongering and silver-using DuPonts, uh, William A. Simon, Treasury Secretary, 74 to 1977, who pressured gold down from $200 to $105, and as the main power on the Commodity Exchange Governing Board, acted to destroy the Hunt Arab silver play in January 1980. That, I believe, is chronicled in uh, Silver Squelchers number 15 or number 18 in silver, nosilvernationalization.org. You can read about how a network of Pilgrim Society members collapsed the Hunt Arab silver play. Simon became a director of Citigroup, Xerox, Dart Industries, Halliburton, United Technologies, Defense Contractor, etc. And he was on numerous high-level commissions and presidential advisory panels like Terrorism and the National Commission on Supplies and Shortages. Philip Bobbitt, B-O-B-B-I-T-T, -T. President Lyndon Johnson's nephew on the Pilgrim's Executive Committee is a 2014. I just sent you a link to Bobbitt uh, on the Pilgrim's Foundation, which you just saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lyndon Johnson, honorary president of the Pilgrim's, leaked 1969 roster. <clears throat> now, the Engineering and Mining Journal, September 1963, Kennedy years, Page 73 remarked, quote, the administration and the treasury were dead set against a free gold market and a higher price for gold. Now, somewhere in my writings, I've got an exchange of letters between JFK and David Rockefeller in which Kennedy publicly promised Rockefeller that the United States would not allow the price of gold to rise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's there in, in Life Magazine. You can look it up. Now, go ahead. Uh, I'm just going to say, you know, the Rockefellers, you know, when people think about the Rockefellers, they think about the capitalist class or whatever people want to say it. But, you know, they were instrumental in really helping fund socialism and communism. And, you know, I'd read when I was looking into the Fabian Society that uh, David Rockefeller went to the London School of Economics, which the Fabian started, and he did his thesis on Fabian socialism. So, uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting connection there. You know, they, they weren't straight-out capitalists. They And they had enough money to uh, enact these more socialist, communist, kind of uh, globalist type of, you know, uh, actions and, and policies and uh, it really didn't affect them. And, and it also, I think, and we're seeing nowadays, a lot of these big shots, these these monopolies, which I'm sure a lot of them are connected to the pilgrims, they go for different regulations and stuff like that because they can stamp out any competition because they're big enough to be able to handle the reg regulations. You know, they can afford them and whatnot, and they just destroy competition through regulation. So I think a lot of... Um, you know, Republicans and Libertarians are kind of missing that kind of point of view there. I know it, it, it kind of goes against what we've uh, been taught to believe, but it's definitely happening. Oh, yeah. That's nothing new. It's very devious. And uh, so I just had one more quote on this uh, theme about the Pilgrim Society attacking precious metals and uh, being devious about it. On August 31, 1975, 
at a speech at the International Monetary Fund, Pilgrim's Society member, Rhodes Scholar, Alfred Hayes of the New York Federal Reserve Bank boasted, quote, I am particularly proud of the Federal Reserve Swap Network in the development of which I was involved from its inception, linking the Federal Reserve and 14 other central banks and the Bank for International Settlements. Gold has long been viewed by many as a barbarous relic and demonetizing it and phasing it out of the system completely seems to have a good deal of, of appeal in some quarters. Gold can hardly regain its earlier position, unquote. Now, I, I got that verbatim out of a publication called Vital Speeches of the Day, and the particular edition I got it from was at Southern Methodist University Library in Dallas. It's in other major libraries as well, of course. Now, uh, I'm trying to get some publicity for the Pilgrim Society among the base of silver stackers, gold stackers, gold and silver investors. And there's no use for uh, people that are promoting hard money to deny protection to people who are invested in gold and silver by refusing to help drag this organization to light. I understand that the Wall Street Silver Group has achieved something like 170 billboards in major cities across the country advertising to people to buy silver. Well, that's all well and good, but they they won't help mission the Pilgrim Society. Remember, if they do that, it's not going to put a nickel in my pocket, not one nickel. I'm trying to make the public aware of this group that's a threat to them, and they always have the president and the vice president and the secretary of state and other officials in their vest pocket. It's well known for many years that the Council on Foreign Relations, which is the Pilgrim Society direct subsidiary group, is, is used as a staffing uh, agency for every presidential administration, regardless of party. Now, I want the rank and file who are listening to this, please, for the love of God, post links to these series of interviews on YouTube channels in gold and silver. You know which ones I'm talking about so that uh, the rank and file can begin to become aware of who this group is that's threatening them because the, uh, the channel operators are not interested in protecting our property rights by bringing this gang of racketeers into the light of day. So it's up to the rank and file to post a lot of links to these interviews. Remember, remember, remember. I keep hammering at it over and over and over. The more links you post, the more the public will know about it. And it still isn't going to be any money into my pocket. This is not a sales campaign on my part. I'm just wanting the public to know about something that concerns them because their pockets have been picked for generations by this thing. Well, absolutely. It's it's so important, man, because this, you know, this group has been in charge of everything basically for so very long and their and their power just seems to continue to get more and more, especially under this whole COVID great reset era. And uh, it's got their fingerprints all over it, and it's all about making them more powerful, concentrating wealth keeping average people and average investors from being able to make a buck and be able to save 
and invest for the future. They want control of everything and they're not going to stop. If we don't stop them, there's no, you know, there's no stopping it. They're just going to continue to, to, to keep going the way they have been going until they have everything. And they don't care about our freedom. They don't care about our sovereignty. They don't care if we suffer. You know, they talk, the whole equality thing is put out there just to appease certain people. They might give you a little bit of uh, some handout here or there, but they're, they do not want you to prosper. And, uh, That's right. and you, you look at um, Kamala Harris. Well, I was looking at her, uh, just reading a little bit about her family. And, and I think you mentioned her father earlier. And uh, her sister is a um, for a Council on Foreign Relations member, Maya uh, Maya Harris, and um, she worked for the Ford Foundation, which is you know directly related to the Council on Foreign Relations. And then, uh, of course, I was looking at this whole. Um, you keep seeing Liz Cheney in in the news, and of course, her dad was uh, one of the directors of the Council on Foreign Relations, and and he is still in the council, even though it's considered more of a liberal organization. Well, go on there and look at the roster, people, and and look, you know, it's in alphabetical order. He's on there, and um, a lot of people that uh, you you know, if, if people, I don't think most people ever even go on their website, but if anybody wants to look at their roster, you know, you'll see a lot of names that you rec- recognize from business and in. In past uh, government, uh, presidential administrations, and other positions, and uh, they're all connected to the Pilgrim Society. I mean, that's Pilgrim Society was first, and it, you know, it's more secretive, and uh, it's just, again, just amazing what all you've been able to pull out of here. Because I realize that it's not like you just were able to just pop on a few websites and document this information. You've had to go to uh, different libraries and just, you know, it's been a, um, a labor, as you said, you've skipped vacations and everything else. Cause this information is not easy to find and they, they've made it that way. Uh, even, um, Carol Quigley, you know, he barely mentions the pilgrims and, and that's in the, uh, scrubbed version of, uh, tragedy and hope. He may have mentioned it in, in the one that wasn't censored, but, uh, he does talk about how, and I think he was talking about the pilgrims when he said this. He was, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly the exact words, but I'm going to paraphrase. He said that they don't mind not getting the attention because they have the power. So they actually like being in the background and just they'll put forward these uh, politicians, which are just puppets, and they get all the animosity in the in the. And sometimes the praise when something goes right, but it's really these other guys in the background who are profiting off of everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I've done a cursory examination of some of the larger gold and silver mining companies, and you can look up on Yahoo Finance um, who the major holders are, institutional holders, and uh, Van Eck Group, Vanguard Group, well, those are Pilgrim Society fund, managed funds, and you wonder why the executives don't speak out against the price suppression. Well, that's that's why, because the dominant shares, blocks of shares are owned by uh, members of this thing, and they're wanting to keep the price low uh, up until some point where they think they've finally shaken out all the objectionable people like myself. Now I'm going to I'm going to tell you a true story real quick. Now uh, I have a advisor, 
so-called financial advisor at J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, private wealth group, and they tried several times <clears throat> to get me to sell out of uh, gold and silver mining company and go into other sectors. And uh, I told them, well, uh, I appreciate your input, uh, but no, I've done my own due diligence and this is where I want to be. And they can't make me transfer. Uh, what they'd probably do if they could is get me into something that's due to, due to get a fall, but I'm not going to do that. And the fundamentals of this are just beyond absurd. And uh, so, yeah, you, you got to be careful who you do business with. And uh, <clears throat> but we need to get uh, we need to get some uh, publicity for the Pilgrims of the United States and their correspondent group, the Pilgrims of Great Britain and London. And the the influence of this thing, like I believe I said the last time out. Even though the average person has no possible inkling that they're even in existence, it is still a slashing grizzly bear in a field of mice. And these are the heavy hitters of our world today. They're the, the Marcus Licinius Crassus, financiers of the Roman Empire in modern times. They're the King Midas of today. And they use very dirty tactics to accumulate more and more more wealth. Um, this interview has gotten a little long now, but let me just throw in a couple of names of interest at random from the 1940 list. Walter Percy Chrysler, founder of Chrysler Corporation, financier of the Chrysler Skyscraper Building in New York. He was a member. Clifford Nichols. His middle name was Nichols, like nickels in your pocket. Clifford Nichols Carver, like a wood carver. Son-in-law of General Sir John Grenfell Maxwell of the Pilgrims London. They have a lot of transatlantic marriages. Carver was with the Council for National Defense in 1917, trustee of the American Scandinavian Foundation, president of the American Whaling Company. Member, Society of Mayflower Descendants, India House Club, New York, Royal Yacht, Royal Yacht Club in Belgium, Royal Norwegian Yacht, the Creek Club in Locust Valley, Long Island, New York, Travelers Club in Paris, Secretary to American Ambassador to London, 1914-15, and he was an Episcopalian of an old colonial New England landowning family. And that's all I've got for tonight. I'm about played out. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Charles. This has been great as always, and I can't wait to talk to you again. And if you would, please uh, give your information, your websites, and people, please check out his websites. They're in the show notes, and you will find a plethora of information. And if you're a history buff like me and you really want to know more about the Pilgrim Society and a lot of these guys who've made our world and made a, a billion, <laughs> billions and billions of dollars off of the sweat of our forefathers' brows, then check out his information. Okay, it's of course www or you can put http.org uh, silversteelers.net no silvernationalization.org that's all one word no spaces. And I also have texaspetprotect.org which is complaining about some uh, 
a politically corrupt group here in Texas uh, that presents itself as uh, caring about your pet animals, and, and really they don't. And really they don't. And they, they do have some connections to uh, the pilgrims, by the way. Uh, the Humane Society of the USA has had connections and other such groups have had connections. And so don't give money to any pet rescue group, please, unless it's a local group and you can personally go in and see what's happening with your money. Do not donate to any national organization. And please post links to these interviews uh, in the comments of the YouTube gold and silver channels so that we can do the job that the channel operators don't want to do. Absolutely. Well said. Awesome, Charles. Well, I'll be in touch with you and we'll schedule the next show very soon. Okie doke. All right, guys, that concludes this episode of the Oddcast with my guest, Charles Savoy. Thank you guys for taking the time to hang out with me once again. I hope that you found out who your favorite oligarch was in all that history, that alternative history that Charles went over. Check out his websites. Silverstealers.net is one of them. I'll put his other websites in the show notes. And I want to thank my supporters, my patrons. Thank you to the anonymous producer who allowed me to get this new-to-me mic. Thank you to Peterson, Kevin, Chris, Rooster, Flat, Dark, and Earthy, Thaddeus. Thank you to John William Brisson and his wonderful We've Read the Documents YouTube page. Thank you, John, for your support, and thank you also for posting my show on your YouTube channel. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Kilowatt. Sir Tim of the Tunnels. Aaron. David. Thank you to Jack Allen from Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence, and please support his show as well. Thank you to James. All of you guys, very much. Thank you. And speaking of Jack, I was just on his show last week, and we talked about the Ukraine-Russian situation, and we kind of asked, is war real? Could Putin be in on this whole thing? Is this whole thing going to be used for a WW3 type situation in order to just destroy the global economy so we can have this global rule by the elites? So we kind of batted around some ideas and talked about some history, and it was a fun show. Also, I was on Conspiracy in the Force with Conspiracy Kyle. We talked about Freemasonry, the Skull and Bones, and also the Ukraine-Russia situation. So check out his show as well. Thank you guys so much for your support. I wanted to apologize for taking so long to get this episode out. I've ran into so many snags here lately. One, I needed a new mic. Got the new mic. Then I realized this is a dynamic mic. It's not loud enough. And when I crank up my preamp, there's these horrible sounds in it. I recorded a whole episode with these horrible sounds, not knowing they were in there. Ended up having to re-record. It was the last episode. And so it was just a big mess. So I got a cloud lifter. I ordered one of those. Got one of those. Then my computer started acting up. Had issues with that. Had to have that fixed. Then last week, all of last week, my son joined a rowing team. And so I had to go be with him every evening to do that whole thing. So anyway, just a bunch of other stuff happened, but you don't want to hear about that. It's just stuff that's going along with having a small business and family and all that good stuff. But anyway, thank you for your support and your patience. 
I really appreciate it. It's been a trying time, but also a fun time because I'm, I am working on several other shows. I'm working on Skull and Bones Part 2, finally doing an episode on the Bavarian Illuminati, and another one on Bohemian Grove, and I'm really trying to bring some lesser-known information into both of those. And also, I'm going to be a guest on a couple other shows that I will let you guys know about very, very soon. So, I got a lot of things planned. I've been slow here lately, but I'm going to catch up and get things rocking once again. Now, quickly, I wanted to mention that I have three tiers now for my Patreon page. And that is patreon.com forward slash the odd man out. I've got the original, which is the $5 a month. And that is... You get the shows a week early if everything goes well, and I post extra stuff on there for you guys to see. You can message me. We'll talk. Whatever you know you want to talk about, you can suggest ideas for the show or ask me questions. That is the Society of Cryptic Savants. And then the middle tier is a $15 tier, and that is the Covert Conspirator tier. And what you get with that is you get an extra episode a month that I do for you guys. And if you need me to shout anything out for you, like your business or your website, as long as it's not something I disagree with, I'd be happy to do that for you as well. And you get the other things that I mentioned before with Tier 1. Tier 2, and this came about by my anonymous producer friend. He told me, you know, kind of gave me some advice, and I thought, that's a great idea. Because... As I said before, we keep running into snags and different things. I'm going to have to be getting a new computer soon because there's just no way I can continue to do the show with this old thing. So I've got the producer level, and that's 200 bucks a month. And with that, you get two extra shows a month, plus you get me. I will do a show with you once a month if you want to. We can do it like Skype. We can do it with Zoom. Whatever you would like, we can talk. We can talk about conspiracies, politics, whatever you'd like. And so we'll make it, uh, if I get several producers, of course, we'll do it in, in a kind of a, just have a big party out of it. So you get that, two extra shows a month, a shout out for your business and all the other things. And I appreciate everybody who is helping. Please share the show. It helps out so much. Please rate the show in whatever platform that you are listening to this on. And just tell people word of mouth is still great. I appreciate it very much. Now, I want to thank Alternate Current Radio so much for hosting the show. And also, they have a brand new website, alternatecurrentradio.com. Beautiful website. Check it out. Also, again, check out We've Read the Documents, the YouTube page for John Brisson. He posts my shows on there as well. Also, thank you to Fringe Radio Network for posting my shows. i got a bunch of great shows on there as well. So, I've got a lot to be thankful for. i got a lot of friends. And you guys rock. Cheers and blessings. I'll talk to you soon. And most importantly, remember, their order is not our order. See you guys.
Sun, the sun.